Let's do this. Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing this fine morning? I'm doing fine. Looks like a beautiful day out there, and maybe get out there and pull some dandelions in a, in a few moments. Because <laughs> there's no shortage. It might be storming later. This is Friday morning in Edmonton for those who might be watching the podcast at some future point. Yeah. Is that the forecast? Time, anyway, time has stood still for the subjects that we're looking at, David. Nothing's changing. They're they're done playing their hockey for the season, so we can... Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's the playoffs going is. on, eh, Bruce? The playoffs <laughs> are going on and we're out of it, so we're left to what we usually do at this time of year, which is to go over... Edmonton Oilers players, and today we're going to go over Adam Larson. We're going to do our Keep, Hold, and Fold pot or Fold podcast on Adam Larson. Uh, is he 28 still? 28-year-old defenseman, mm-hmm. uh, veteran NHL defenseman. Yep. High draft pick to the Devils, acquired in the famous slash infamous Taylor Hall trade. Mm-hmm. Maybe not so infamous anymore, Bruce. Maybe not so infamous anymore. Although... Uh, People's mileage on that one will differ. Yep. Um, we're gonna we're gonna look at him. What should the Oilers do with him? Let's start out though, Bruce. Let's just talk about the current current event, which which was I think a, a major current event, the Mark Shifley suspension. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because I do think even th- three years ago, I'm gonna say that would not be a suspension, even mm-hmm. three years ago, and that. Something has changed, um, and I think it's heavily related to the concussion issue. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Which has come to the fore increasingly in the last few years. Mm-hmm. And our our acceptance of violent play in hockey, even p- violent play that would, would, have, would have been legal for a long time in the NHL. I'm certain 10 years ago there would be no suspension. Definitely 29 years ago. Um, no suspension on a play like that because... The NHL has forever allowed two things, Bruce. They have forever allowed late hits. This is the what is called finishing your check, right. which 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 says even after a player finishing. doesn't have the puck, even after he's passed the puck, mm-hmm. there's like one one steamboat, two steamboats, and you can you can smash the guy into mm-hmm. the end. And that's been allowed in the NHL. I've never liked it. I just think mm-hmm. if he doesn't have the puck, it should be like in football when the passer gets rid of it. You're done. You can't hit him again. It's over. Right. But if the NHL allows this, and it's always allowed this, and the other thing mm-hmm. it's always allowed this is, this was a particularly bad in the 70s and 80s, well, it, it, kind of my formative years as a hockey fan, is mm-hmm. after a player scored a goal, there seemed to be mm-hmm. a free, free. you get your free shot. Mm-hmm. He's scored, and because you're mad and frustrated, you're allowed one free shot on the guy. Yep. Punish him. So those two yep. things... Uh, this is was NHL NHL culture, and it and it has been, and so on, on a certain level, I was surprised to see a suspension, because I think again that this wouldn't have been suspendable. Zach Cassian's hit on Logan uh, Couture in the playoffs didn't get a suspension. Mm-hmm. Every it was was it every bit as brutal. It was close. Let's put it in the same category of charging 
of running yeah, a guy. Charging for sure. Yeah. Running a guy. Did he yeah. get a penalty? I can't remember. Charging, running a guy. I'm not even sure they called a penalty. I just remember the crowd just roaring and, and, uh, and us, you know, I mean, the crowd, 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 crowd liked it. I mean, he was, he was charging around the ice all night. Uh, I'll say that uh, I haven't seen very many charges where the guy started at one goal line and skated basically as hard as he could all the way to the other goal line to then obliterate an opponent. And I saw a few things in there that disturbed me. Number one was uh, Shifley uh, made no attempt to play the puck. I mean, if he would say he was making a defensive play, he had to lead with his stick. And, and when he got there, he, he has, uh, it's, his hand holding his stick actually had the elbow back and the stick withdrawn as Evans was tucking the puck in the net. He wasn't even looking at the puck. He was looking at Evans. He had every intention of obliterating him, as it was near, near as I could tell. Of course, none of us is inside his head. But uh, obliterate him, he did. And, I mean, the way Evans went down to the ice was scary indeed. You know, his head hit the ice and he, you know, was lying there face down on the ice, not moving. And it just, to me, it looked predatory and retaliatory. And it wasn't even like he had some kind of physical beef with Evans. It was that bad guy, other team trying to score a goal. Get him. You know, that was kind of, the, it seems to be the brainstem kind of reaction to the play. And at that speed, I mean, he took 18 strides, David. There's a there's a there's a um, isolated video of Shifley starting from the other end, and a couple of them he just sort of turning, and then he realizing. So maybe it was only the last 14 or so where he was trying to get up to full speed. But that's like taking your car from the intersection and going first gear, second gear, third gear, fourth gear. By the time he got to the guy, he was going at highway speeds. And he, you know, I mean, he's he's got to take better care and show better respect than that. And it's, I mean, to me, the the call was right. Five for charging. Game misconduct, absolutely. Suspension, I mean, we can quibble about the number of games. But the fact that he got suspended is absolutely the right call. I completely agree with all that. And I think the NHL got this right, by the way. Like, I think they made the right call. I agree with your interpretation that, um, like, hockey happens fast, but not that fast. He's reading the play. He knows, Mm -hmm. you know, he's constantly reading the play at the highest of levels because he Mm -hmm. is a great NHL hockey player. Mm -hmm. He's he's seeing him come around the net. He sees he's going to score. He knows there's nothing he can do. Otherwise, if there was something he could have done, he would have, it would have been stick on puck. He would have tried yeah. to stop him from scoring. There's, it, there's not none of that from Shifley because he, because it happens, a full steamboat before he gets to, uh, within range of the player. He's the puck's in the net. He has a choice then. He, he can let up, he can let up, or he can pulverize the guy. And he decided to pulverize the guy. Bruce, I will take. I, I do think he, he charged fast initially. Then he he cruised a little bit, I thought, slowed down a little bit. He as he was reading the play, where is he going to go? Mm-hmm. And then he sit, sped up again. So I don't think it was ever increasing momentum. I think it was fast momentum. There's a moment where he I could be mistaken, but this is my memory of the videotape. I was just mm-hmm. going to call it up again. And then then he does accelerate again into the hit, uh, probably the last five strides, which is charging, right? Which is a which is a penalty and. And, uh, yeah, his his last. I mean, he was going full speed, so he didn't have to like keep keep. Uh, yeah, he was going fast. Yeah, and the fact is that he, um, you know, the boards were coming up. I mean, the other guy that was hustling back, I think it was Pionk, um, was flying back, 
And he also pulled up because he was actually trying to play the puck, but he also didn't want to take himself and crash into the net. So he was, you know, judging, I'm going to go as hard as I can and stop as hard as I can right at the right at the blue paint and, and try and and Scheifele was faster than Pionk and got there first, but he went beside the net and just carried right on through and Kapawi. And I don't know, David, the, the amount of victim blaming I'm hearing out there, um, people saying, well, Evans needs to keep his, his head up. He should have took the puck into the corner. He shouldn't be trying to score goals, you know. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, and he, he should have had his head up. Well, he, you know, I mean, he, he did have his head up. He looked as he went around the corner. He said, I got time to put this in the net. I'm going to tuck it home. And his thought press, process is surely... No way is that guy just going to come all the way at me like an 18-wheeler and just plow right through me and try and kill me. But uh, that that's, I mean, there was no respect shown there. And frankly, no contrition shown afterwards by Shifley uh, at any point. Uh, I will say uh, that the job that Nick Ehlers did and the job that the linesman did to protect the fallen Paul Evans while there was a huge scrum developing right around and behind him uh, uh, was brilliant. I gained even more respect for Ehlers, who's a player I've always liked, but uh, his his uh, focus, even during the scrum, was to protect the fallen player, and it didn't matter that he was a player on the other team. He was he was looking out for him, and, and uh, that was a, that was a uh, sort of the silver lining to this to this ugly play. You know, Bruce, when I hear that people make the comment, you should keep your head up. I actually mm-hmm. agree with them. Like when you know that that comment about let's mm-hmm. just divorce it from this situation. Yeah. When you're playing pro hockey at the NHL level, which is a contact sport, and you taking the man is legal, yeah, you you should keep your head up. So mm-hmm. um, now, Evans in that moment might have been. We don't know what he's thinking. I'm guessing he's thinking, even if I get hit on this play, I'm going to take you I know the ethic in pro hockey and the playoff ethic is you take the hit to make the play. That's how you're a playoff hero, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what I I'm assuming he's not thinking anything except. I'm going to do whatever it takes to score a goal. So uh, was he aware that she, he was probably aware that there was back pressure coming at him and he, and he, and he might take a hit. And yeah, all, I think that, you know, for what it's kind of, for what it's worth, mm-hmm. it, it, generally it's worth a lot, the advice to keep your head up. But that doesn't mean it's open season on you. Right. Um, once you've delivered the puck, once you've passed right. the puck, it's a late freaking hit. Yeah. And this is the problem in hockey. If if he had the puck and he got hit like that, I think I might think otherwise about it, honestly. Still um, charging. Still charging. Fair enough. Still charging. Um, but he didn't have the puck. It's a late hit. And so I always, mm. uh, uh, in these situations, because I'm I'm an Oilers fan and I'm so partisan, mm-hmm. I always apply to the Connor McDavid role. Mm-hmm. And, which is, if that happened to Connor McDavid, if Connor McDavid got hit like that, <laughs> what would be my reaction? Right. Uh, would I brush it off? Or if Connor McDavid threw that hit, yeah. if, he, if he was the guy, or Leon Dreisaitl, mm-hmm. if he mm-hmm. threw that hit, mm-hmm. what would be my reaction? So you have to have these various right. checks that pull you in different directions. But clearly, if Connor McDavid got hit like this, people mm-hmm. would have to be apoplectic with rage. We, we would just well, it would be no penalty. It'd be no. It'd be no penalty though. If it was, maybe that's what Shifley was thinking. <laughs> We're so used to playing against McDavid, we can do whatever the hell we want out here. That's the best point he you've said, made all day, Bert. He said bitterly. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is brilliant. Points for you. Points for Bert. 
maybe that's it. They just got used. They just thought, hey, we can do whatever we want. We can take whatever liberties we want because they don't call us on anything. Yeah. I mean, you know, DeMello taking McDavid's knee out. <sighs> anyway, um, so if it was McDavid or Drysaddle mm-hmm. delivering that hit, I hope I would say the same thing. Like, that is a late hit. And, and, yeah. and then it's excessive. And mm-hmm. I don't, I, I really do think the NHL, if they want to avoid this kind of thing, they need to change that rule. You don't have the puck anymore. The second you don't have the puck, you can't get hit. Sorry. Now, maybe people will throw the pass the puck quickly to not get hit. But, you know, so so the, it's a little bit. What what is the what's the is it the arm in motion thing? I don't watch football anymore. Right. It used to be with your arms in motion, something like that. The, I can't even remember the. Yeah, rules. I mean you got to give them. I think you got to give them the first steamboat. If the person has the puck and you're committing to the hit and they get rid of it and you hit them, like there's there's a, a little bit of gray area there where you take the hit to make the play. It's part of the game. If you take that out of the game, then you might as well. I don't know how uh, how you govern it there. It's non-contact uh, hockey, like, I, like people I, play at mm-hmm. all levels of hockey then. But right. if you want to play contact, you do. I think there has to be a little leeway. But this, to me, was on the other side of that. It was a. It was yeah. clearly, clearly the play was not only had he passed, the play was over. There's no future play because he scored a goal. It was in the net. Yeah, yeah. And uh, for sure. all, the, the other thing I'm hearing is that, uh, you know, it's not fair that Shifley has to miss, the, might have to miss the rest of the series. Well, what do you think? What do you think Paul Evans' future is in this series? How many more games is he going to play in this series? I'm suspecting zero. You know, I mean, he took he hurt an opponent and probably put him out for a while. Not to mention the guy got you know just got his third concussion. I mean, it's a it's it's, frightening is it prospect Jake from Evans? his point of view. It's is Jake it, Evans. Jake Evans, my bad. It's Bruce. There's been so many Evanses. It's like mm-hmm. the Fosters. It's like mm-hmm. try getting a Foster's name right in the NHL. Uh, it's there's been lots of Evans and so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember that. This is a guy. He scored two beautiful goals against the Oilers this year. Jake Evans. And, he was on know, a good line. A good, good. Yeah, and he was playing playing a key role on an important line. That Lakin helped and, out uh, Toronto. So was it Lakin anyway. and Byron and him? Yeah, yeah that was lots of times. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's a, it's an unfortunate thing, and I'm watching this series. I, I, I honestly, on when the game started, I thought I'm I'm not sure I'm not rooting for the Jets here, but really I'm just in neutral, and I'm you know, I got nothing for Mark Shifley, but I I don't like that hit. Fair enough. I didn't like it either. It was uh, you know. Ray, I was listening to Ryan Whitney, and he was mm-hmm. you know, he, he was defending the hit. Yeah. And uh, saying if um, if if Evans had popped right to his feet and celebrated, would we be, would, would we be saying the same thing? Which is a that's another fair comment. Like that's that's worth mm-hmm. thinking about, right? Like um, it's often if he had popped right up and was uh, like, whoa! But so uh, I don't think he's I don't think it's an insane. Th- but that's not what happened, and and. Uh, it's still a late. It's still one of these late hits and a brutal late hit. So I'm, I'm at good. Highway, good at highway speeds. That's my, you know, that's sort of my tagline to this entire thing. It was done at highway speed. He got it up to full NHL speed and he went right through, plowed right through the guy who was in a vulnerable position. You could, you could kill someone hitting them that hard. Uh, mm-hmm. Two hundred, a two hundred and ten pound player skating at 
30 kilometers an hour, whatever he skates at, mm -hmm. uh, plowing into a guy like that is, uh, yeah. Get the speed of the game has changed things too. I think it's also part of the change in our attitude. Just the the um, the damage that comes out of the collisions now, because the players are that much bigger and faster, in general, um, has also led to some rethinking. Okay, let's move on mm. to the Oilers' bone crunching thug of a D man. Not not a thug really, but kind of, and we love him for it. Uh, and Bruce, I want to say this, I. It wasn't just Oilers fans during the Cassian hit. It was me. It was me during mm -hmm. the Cassian hit. I, mm -hmm. I loved it. In that mm -hmm. moment, I loved that hit. So I'm not going to back off from that. That's how I felt about it. And uh, I don't know if I would, if it happened now, would I feel differently? I, and I can't answer that because because things do change and our attitudes do change. So if the refs had called a penalty, would you feel have felt differently at the time too? Would you said, oh, geez, that was dumb, Zach. You shouldn't have done that. You put our team shorthanded. But the refs just. Depends on the penalty, Bruce, because mm -hmm. the problem with the NHL is that crime's always paid, right? That, that they never penalize you enough for the damage, the physical and mental and moral morale damage you inflict on their team with your ultraviolence, right? That's why it was so crucial all those years to have the, like, there, it, there was always often a um, confluence of having the, the, most, the most feared player in the, in the league and the Stanley Cup winning team, you know, the the Islanders with Potvin. Denny Potvin was a, a scary player that people yeah. feared. Mark Messier took over from him. You know, he was hockey's new dark lord for a long time. You know, in the, Bobby Clark was hockey's dark lord before that. Eddie Shore. The, Eddie Shore. <laughs> There's a long history of Take that it back kind to of my childhood. That kind. Of, <laughs> you, you were just a teenager then. Uh, there's a long history of, of that kind of violence really paying off in the NHL playoffs. So and Scott Stevens is the most recent example of that. And remember, and, and, you know, Detroit wasn't a physical team, but that Cronwall, when he hit people, oh, frack, he just destroyed them. And they were brutal hits. He's coming down, he's blindsiding people coming down the boards. You know, the typical Cronwall yeah. hit was that. And anyway. And they were coming the other direction trying to yeah. get out of the zone and he'd come into them so it was like a head-on collision and this was part of the issue with this uh, Shifley hit was they were going literally in opposite directions at that moment Evans not so fast but but uh, Shifley very very fast anyway the best analysis was Matthew <laughs> Barnaby mm -hmm. you seen Matthew Barnaby's former NHL uh, physical player and he gave the best analysis which is quite similar to our own that it was really clear the, the goal was scored. He had time to hold up, but he wanted to get the late hit. All right. Adam Larson, Bruce, keep, hold, or fold? Yeah, I'm in the keep camp on uh, Adam Larson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like, him, like him a lot. I always have liked him. Uh, as an old goalie, I've always had a soft spot for greasy defensemen. And by greasy, I don't mean dangerously dirty. I just mean guys that will roll up their sleeves and... and uh, and uh, defend their net with, uh, uh, um, what's the word, um, uh, without prejudice. They just, you know, take 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 on opponents and, and you know, just go in and play the, play the physical, rough and tough, grind it out uh, kind of game. And Adam Larson, as, as, as tough a defender as he is, 
I don't really see him as a dirty player, and I mean, part of that might be my orange and blue goggles that I'm wearing, but I don't see him as dirty. I, I see yes. him as mean and rough, and <laughs> I, don't, I don't see, by dirty, I mean guys that that try and put people out. Fair enough, Bruce. I don't, He's not I don't, I don't see him as, as a guy that tries to, to uh, you know, rough people up. Absolutely. Soften them up. Absolutely. And you know what? I don't mind that. That's hockey. You, you know, you, you, you give and you take your pound of flesh. It's part of the game. But, it, you know, it's it's uh, uh, he's not a guy that I've seen take advantage of and 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 land injurious. It's like I can't remember seeing him injure someone with a hit. I mean, maybe it happened, but uh, but he does. He does hit. He does play physical. He does make opponents pay a price. And he wins battles, and he wins battles, and he wins battles, and and he he's engages not, always in battles. He's not going for the hit to mm-hmm. injure. Like some mm-hmm. players go for the hit to injure. I think mm-hmm. it's that's we we've seen that on the Oilers, right? We've seen mm-hmm. it with various Oilers defensemen, Brian Marchment, Craig Muni. Mm-hmm. We we've seen the ones uh, he and the problem with that is Adam Larson's basic function is he, he, you can see in his mind is to stop the other team's best players from scoring. And the yeah. big hit isn't on the agenda because if you go for that big hit, they're going to deke you now and then and he doesn't want mm-hmm. that to happen. That's the that's the worst thing that 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 will happen in the Adam Larson uh, book of hockey is getting beat on a grade A chance near your net. He's not going to allow that. So other defensemen will are far more likely to to be thrown out of position in going for that hit. He might do do it one or two times a year, but that's it. He, his his play is just the, the per, you know almost perfect defensive positioning, um, the best at least on the Oilers, better than Chris Russell this year, which is saying a whole hell of a lot because Chris Russell is a master of defensive positioning, um, always on the right side of the puck, uh, using both his body and his stick to leverage players, knock players off, throw them off kilter, block their way to the net. And he just does it again and again and again. And I think, honestly, there's still Adam Larson could still learn from, excuse me, Darnell Nurse could still learn from Adam mm-hmm. Larson. Ethan mm-hmm. Bear, they should all watch how he does it because he's so good at it. He reminds me, he's kind of like a, <laughs> Liam Neeson movies are always kind of the same thing. It's uh, someone's done something to his family or right. uh, or his friend, and right. he's going to get them back. Or his dog. Or his dog. Or that's Cameron's. <laughs> <laughs> but he's gonna. It is. He he's gonna get them. They're not. They're gonna pay for what they've done. And this is Adam Larson. You know, the, whatever they're doing, like you know that whole like the 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 best thing in terms of um, countering rough stuff on Connor McDavid is to rough up their guys in legal fashion. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. Adam Larson. He's the Liam Neeson. You you get Connor McDavid. You get my friend. I'm gonna get your guy. I'm gonna get Ehlers, and I'm gonna get Shifley, and I'm gonna get. All these other players, and he gets them, and he usually shuts them down. So, you know, but he Bruce, doesn't he, need them. He doesn't need them. No. If they didn't have Adam Larson, he, you know, look at the Maple Leafs without Jake Muzzin. I think they lost that series because when, when Muzzin went out, he was the key cog on that team's defensive play. Adam Larson is so crucial to the Oilers because they don't really have a defenseman. Like I, I like Darnell Nurse, but he is more error prone considerably than than Adam Larson. They don't have another defenseman like him who has, plays such a fantastic shutdown game. And by our way of rating hockey players, in terms of grade A scoring chances, how many grade A scoring chances at even strength do you make a major pass or shot to create one? 
how many do you let up by turning over the puck at the other end by you know losing a battle or being out of position last two years bruce uh, of right, you know, of defensemen who've played major minutes on the Oilers. Adam Larson's been the de- best defenseman both years ahead of Darnell Nurse. So mm-hmm. for me, he's also keep. He's keep for all of those reasons, but also because when we hear about his contract demands, I just think he's a bargain at four million or whatever it's going to. If it's if it's a four point anywhere from four to four point five, whatever it is, if it's the same amount, uh, three or f- even four years term, he's not so old. You know, I would prefer three years, honestly. Yeah. But I just think what we're hearing word out, I just think that's a bargain. I see him as the Oilers' most effective two-way defenseman ahead of Darnell Nurse, which is not something that most people would agree with or would say, and I and I understand why. But that's how I see Larson, and I, I think he's a real bargain at that price. Yeah, I'm not sure I buy in the two-way aspect because his offensive game is is uh, nothing too special. He likes to think offense and and. and uh, but he's not a very creative player. Every once in a while, he'll like, he'll uh, show up in an unexpected place, and uh, uh, once in a while, he'll make a very nice pass. But those are more the exception than the rule. But he's, you know, uh, his value is certainly on the defensive side of the puck. But that is value, and on a team that has, um, especially on the right side of the defense, um, uh, he, he kind of stands out uh, for. Uh, for that aspect of his game. And I mean, ultimately it seems like it's going to come down to it, um, uh, potentially a choice between Adam Larson and Tyson Berry, both of whom are veteran right shot defensemen whose contracts are expiring. And uh, Oilers are likely, odds are they'll keep one, not both. And the question is, you know, which do you need more? And they're very, very different from each other. But uh uh, I think they've they've got a replacement in 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 the system already for for Barry who plays the same style would play the same position let's put it that way in the in the lineup and they got no Larsons on the on the right side of the defense. Yeah, if if William Logason had had a better year, like if mm-hmm. he had really stepped up and and he had this clear because he plays a very similar game to Larson. Um, then there might be, you can, might make an argument that Logason is to Larson what Bouchard is to Barry, but you, you can't make that argument because William Logason really struggled and he's, he's, you know, he's 24, 25. He's not fresh out of the package like Bouchard is with, with his, you know, such fantastic potential. I, I just want to clarify what I was saying about the two-way thing. You, you're right, mm-hmm. Bruce, that Darnell Nurse's offense at even strength is, is far superior to Adam Larson's. Like there's, it's not close. Adam Larson is one of the weaker offensive puck moving defenseman but when I when you weigh it all up because Larson is I think a lot better than Nurse in the defensive end and I I think it's quite I think the gap is bigger than I'm going to suggest the gap's bigger than is generally recognized that uh, Nurse is more air prone uh, than than is generally like there was a lot of hoopla about Nurse but he's still pretty air air prone on defense he still makes too many mistakes like honestly for my liking I think some of it had to do with playing with Barry this year with Nurse he's covering Mm -hmm. up for him and it's difficult to do but uh Larson is just uh he's in a league of his own like I think he's one of the very best you know in the top five defensive defensemen in the NHL and I can't say that with certainty because I don't rate and study the other defensive defensemen like I do Larson but that's just my sense of it in terms of uh, Larson had a week playoffs, not a week yeah. playoffs, an okay playoffs, 
mediocre. Not what I was hoping. Yeah. He was on the ice for so he was <laughs> he was pinching up the ice uh, on the the last the, the series deciding goal where McDavid turned the puck over. Ethan Bear short shift and ill advised mm-hmm. uh, line yeah. change. Larson caught on the breakaway. He was another key goal. He and Kulikov failed to take the um, take the man. Um, puck was Winnipeg rushing into the zone. There's an outside shot, big rebound from Smith, and both Kulikov and Larson failed to take. Tucker Pullman as he's going to the net. Uh, another goal, which is a little bit more fluky in overtime, goal goes right through Kulikov and deflects in off Larson, I believe, uh, in overtime in Game Three. So there was there was lots of there was some pretty high profile moments where Larson was at fault. He wasn't. I don't think he really meshed with Kulikov. Um, I don't. Th- I think Kulikov was okay in the as a player mm-hmm. maybe if they brought him back he might even be okay better if they got it together but i i have to say i'm not really uh in the kulikov camp but i so larson wasn't great in the playoffs um he had been carrying players though all season long like he, there was a constant shifting of who's going to play with adam larson um uh, who, who do we have out there with him jo- caleb jones was often with him william logason was with him for a time um mm-hmm. Quite a quite a time, William Loggins and, and they were good for quite a time. Chris Russell played a lot of time with them. It's funny we never saw Nurse Larson. You know that's the that might be a if if you really wanted to play a pairing, super yeah. heavy minutes like why not play that one? I've always yeah. I've wondered about that a few times. <clears throat> Larson's never really been a super heavy minutes kind of guy. Uh, like he's always been around twenty minutes. He's not a twenty three twenty five minute defenseman. He plays hard minutes. Uh, of course, he doesn't play uh, power play, but he does play penalty kill. But he's always seemed to sort of, by minutes, been a second pairing guy. And Nurse, I think, by definition at this point, is first pairing. Uh, when Larson played with um, with uh, Oscar Kleffbaum, as he did for many years, uh, Kleffbaum got a lot of extra time on the penalty kill. But I also think he got a, a few extra shifts at even strength. Uh, where Nurse and Larson did play together this year and quite a bit was at a very late going defending a lead, uh, especially when the other team had the goalie out and were trying to tie it up. That was Nurse and Larson was the pairing of choice, and they, they played a lot of time. I would suggest five on six if we looked closely at their time together, that it would be very disproportionate towards the five on six scenario. And and, you know, very late down the stretch. There was a couple of games there where Nurse and Larson played, you know, almost the last three or four minutes of a game. But uh, certainly right down the very late stretches. But he's um, otherwise, uh, when they played together a little bit in the past, it wasn't the most successful of pairings. Yeah, it could could well be. I, I haven't even looked. I, I do actually recall that now that you're mentioning it. Of course, they're both slightly different players now, especially Nurse, right? He's mm-hmm. continued to trend up a bit. Uh, some would say dramatically this year. You're right, Bruce. The most Larson's ever played was uh, when he was a 23-year-old in New Jersey, 22-31 per game. And he played 19-39 last year. Uh, he doesn't get power play time. So it's funny he brought up... He scored four power play points in his career, Adam Larson. Four points in his career, and they all came in calendar year 2011 when he was an 18-year-old rookie with New Jersey Devils, just taken in the the draft fourth overall. Uh, 
and the point being that the Devils didn't know what they had. They thought they had an all-purpose defenseman. They tried him on the power play. He got a couple points. He's gone 10 years without a single point on the power play since then. Has been a full-time NHL and hasn't got one power play point. 10 it's years. He is not a power player. More short-handed <laughs> points in that time than mm-hmm. power play points. Oh, He's sure. Five, five short-handed points. And, Still uh, before? Uh, his career... Power play is four, and his career yeah. shorthanded is six. Uh, oh. he, he he learned his hockey from Scott Stevens to bring it back to the violent play thing. Mm-hmm. He learned his defensive technique in New Jersey mm-hmm. from Scott Stevens, and he has remarked on that in the past. You know, Bruce, I, with Larson, I, 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 I've been thinking of one thing. Like, there's a, been a lot of talk, why aren't the Oilers better? Why haven't they been a better team? You know, and I know every team gets injury, but um, the two two really significant injuries – um, taking out the Oilers' best defenseman both both times. And it's hard to get a number one defenseman. It's hard to get anywhere close to that. Where Andre Sekera first, just a fantastic hockey player. And then Oscar Kleffbaum, just a fantastic mm-hmm. hockey player and trending trending to be a true number one defenseman. Sekera played at that level in 2016-17 as a number one. Like, mm-hmm. just maybe the best, actually, you know, season that we've seen from a defenseman in the McDavid era was Sekera's season in 2016-17. You can make an argument for that. And then he goes out. Then Clefbaum goes out. And, you know, if you want to look at what set back the orders, if they had a healthy Oscar Clefbaum this season uh, with Darnell Nurse playing the way he did, this is it's that's a significant change in the Edmonton Oilers in terms of how everything operates and everything works. And what you're trying to do, spending your money on and balancing the roster and all those kinds of things. It just makes a huge difference. So tough, tough for the Oilers in that regard, those two key injuries. And I'm not saying other teams haven't had a key injuries right. they have, but that those ones hurt quite a bit. And they continue to. Number one defenseman. As you say, they're pretty hard to replace. Yeah. Final thoughts on, on Adam Larson, Bruce? Yeah, you mentioned the playoffs, and, and, and I look at his game log from the playoffs, and uh, I see this, minus one, minus one, minus one, minus one. They played four games. They essentially lost them all by one goal. Uh, the one game had a couple of empty net goals, but I can assure you that Adam Larson was not on the ice when the Oilers were trying to tie the game late. So those all came on uh, basically one-goal losses where his pairing – uh, was the difference in terms of, you know, they got outscored in each and every one of those games. So to me, that playoff showing was disappointing in that his uh, his track record throughout the year had been as, a, you know, do not let them pass. And we recorded a number of clean games that he played where he made no defensive errors. But in the playoffs, I don't think we had any of those. And then two or three of those that you already identified were or plays where the where the where the puck one way or another went through Larson and wound up in the net. So yeah, a couple injuries came into play here too, right? First to um, Chris Russell, who, who I think would have maybe I think actually would have been his partner based on Kulikov's play in the regular season, which was kind of up and down, not not scintillating. Chris Russell, I think, would have started the playoffs with Adam Larson if he had been healthy and hadn't been injured by our friend Matthew Kachuk. And um, Slater Kukuk was also injured heading into the playoffs. Slater Kukuk, I thought, was, it was is the most underrated uh, 
member of the D-man core this year on the Edmonton Oilers. I thought he had a really good year. I hope he comes back and is re-signed. We'll, we'll talk about him more in detail. But I just wonder if he might have been a good partner for Larson if he hadn't been injured, if he wouldn't have stepped up and, and filled in that role. Because uh, he's just a solid all-around defenseman right now. So um, the partnership didn't didn't take off, let's say, the Kulikov-Larson. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, you know, you know the uh, the Great Wall didn't form. It, it had it was breached a number of times. My you know my memory of the plays that they, they it just there was too much gap on Kulikov on a, on a few of those plays. Players coming in and, and some trouble came from there. He wasn't stepping up enough to make the plays. Certainly that overtime goal that went through his stick. You know he could have been a little closer, got on that puck and stopped that shot before it got going. Um, the, 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 uh, Pullman goal also kind of came to me, came up his side. And if he had stepped up or if, you know, looked like he should step up on the shooter, get that, get on that shooter before, before you can take that first shot, then you don't have to worry about Pullman. And so I'm more inclined to think Kulikov was, Kulikov was Kulikov, kind of what I expected. Um, and, uh. I don't think he'll be back. I guess we'll do, maybe we'll do a, I guess we could do a podcast on him. We hadn't, it's not on our list, I guess, because we're just assuming he's not going to get signed again, I guess. Well, I, I'm guessing we might want to do a um, catch-all where we go through the sort of lower level free agents and talk about more briefly about each of them. But uh, yeah, Lar- Larson is an upper level free agent. I mean, clearly there's, there's four, four, I think anybody would agree, big ones. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Adam Larson, Tyson Berry, Mike Smith, that are all unrestricted free agents that Oilers need to make a decision on. But there's actually 11 guys who have expiring contracts, including one who's already signed a six-year deal overseas in Joachim Niegaard, so we don't need to talk about him. But there's a few other guys, and and Barry's, or sorry, Ken Holland's track record is that he'll bring guys back. So maybe he does come back to one or, one or two of these uh, uh, expiring contracts, like, you know, Gaetan Haas that he already brought back once, or Patrick Russell, player, players of this nature that are at least under consideration. But uh, there's certainly four that are that are vastly more important than, than the rest. All right. Let's leave it there, Bruce. I think we've okay. covered the topic and we're both in the keep. We are both in the keep camp. Thanks for talking today. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>